Fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, for, uh, Greg, for sharing. What an incredible testimony. Just the power of what Jesus can do in somebody's life and what the church can do as well, providing uh, Greg a family and just that opportunity to get free from drugs. Uh, his parents from that are also in church. Ken and Robin are in the house today. Uh, um, Ken, Ken actually used to be my high school teacher. So when Ken first walked through the doors, my first thing was an apology to Ken. Uh, but, then, but then we had the awesome privilege of baptising Ken as well. So isn't God good? Isn't God good? Hey, he's absolutely amazing. And so the title of my message this morning, though, is Make or Break. Make or Break. And uh, last week, as some of you may know, we lost our little puppy last week. So she was five months old. Uh, she was an just absolute epic addition to our family. Um, she, we fell in love with her really quickly. It's amazing how quickly you fall in love with your pets, isn't it? We fell in love with her so quickly, um, though our older dog, Bindi, didn't. Bindi took about three weeks to warm up to little Mickey. And, uh, and even then, I think she only just tolerated her. And to be honest, I think she's happy now with the situation back how it was before. Uh, but we loved Mickey. She turned our house upside down. She chewed through my blinds. She chewed through my charger. She just, wherever she felt led to, to empty her bowels, she emptied her bowels. She barked at anything and anyone. Even when Margaret would come to babysit, she would just bark at, at Margaret. Like, Margaret. Like, she would bark at Margaret. Anything and anyone, she would bark. At. She ripped through our flywire multiple times. You know how many times Jacob had to re-put back the flywire. You know what it's like to have a puppy. And so we loved her, but uh, she was going on her walk and she got off her leash. She was really excited to get to the park and she bolted across the road uh, and she got hit by a car and she didn't make it. And it was incredibly tragic, really. You know, our, our household last week was just so sad. You know, our kids are devastated, we're devastated. We still are, really. It was, it, it was a tragic event that unfolded. And, you know, tragic circumstances can happen really at any moment, can't they, to any of us. At any moment, they can happen to any of us. Crises takes place in our lives multiple times throughout our lifetime, really. And we've all experienced it, haven't we? Some worse than others. And sometimes we get a good outcome. You know, you get a healing or you get a miracle or it's a near miss. Uh, and, and sometimes we don't. And we have to journey through that. We have to journey through the tragedy. We have to journey through the circumstance. And most of us um, have experienced the, um, the death of a loved one, you know, whether it's a spouse or a child or a sister or a brother or a close family member, we've experienced the death of a loved one. Some of us have had painful relationship breakdowns as well. You know, so painful we've experienced unfaithfulness. We've experienced betrayal. We've experienced deep hurt, gossip, slander. We've experienced a breakdown of a reputation. We've gone through this stuff. All of us, if you've lived long enough, you've gone through it. Some of us have experienced the hurt of divorce, whether you've been a child in a family that's been through, uh, the whole family that's been through a divorce, or whether you as an adult have experienced the hurt of a divorce. It's heartbreaking. It hurts. You know, we've all had um, things happen to us, even while we're growing up. Some of us have experienced horrific childhood upbringings, where even to today, as an adult, we're still working through that stuff because of what happened in our childhood. We just heard a testimony just then. Uh, you know, um, difficulties, hurdles, opposition, 
crises taking place in your life. You know, we've all really experienced um, some form of loss just in the past two years with this pandemic, if you think about it. In, in some sort of form, we've experienced loss. We've all grieved something. We have all grieved something. We've all experienced, say, change and transition that we've not been ready for. We've grieved a season of our life that is no more. There was a season in our life that was and is no more. And so we all face these kinds of tragedies that either make or break us. They either make or break us. And sometimes when we're in the thick of it, we are tempted to only see darkness. You're tempted, when when you're in the middle of it, you're tempted to only see darkness. And if you give in to that temptation, you sink into despair and into hopelessness and into bitterness and into resentment and into unforgiveness. You sink into hopelessness. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you are not alone, that you are not alone. And the things in your life that have occurred or even occurring now, you could be going through something right now that nobody knows about. You've got a smile on your face, but behind the scenes, stuff is happening. Am I, my mic, is it, does it need fixing? Because it sounds a little bit, is it all right? Behind the scenes, stuff is happening. We don't know about it, but you've got stuff happening right now in your life. But God wants to use that to make you. He wants to use it to shape you. He wants to use that to strengthen you into all that he has for you. Amen? You know, David in the Bible went through some pretty difficult circumstances. He journeyed through some tragic stuff, if you think about it. He was ridiculed by his brothers. He was rejected by his father. You know, King Saul, someone he looked up to, he, he, he looked up to and he saw him as a mentor, tried to kill him multiple times. Imagine your mentor, someone you look up to, trying to kill you. That's what he experienced. He experienced a deep betrayal. He was forced into hiding. He became a fugitive for several years. He experienced the deep pain of his own sin even with adultery and murder. He watched his own son die. He begged God for it not to happen, but he watched his own son die. So much tragedy and crisis in one life that can either make or break a person. And I'm sure we've all had plenty of things happen to us that can either make or break us. You know, I think of my 10-year-old son who was walking our dog just last week. He was walking his puppy who he fell in love with and, and, and he was on the walk by himself and, and he witnessed He witnessed the car hitting our pup and our pup lying there in a pool of blood and he saw that and I think about that and I've had people say to me, that will scar him, you know, and I think, well, it could, but it could also make him. It could also shape him. It could also strengthen him. It could also help him and teach him how to deal with tragedy in life. It could also strengthen him. It could help him grow closer to God, really. And each time I check in with him, I say, you're talking to God about it? And he said, yeah, I talked to God this morning. I said, does it still hurt? Yes, it does, but I'm talking to God. It can be used to shape him and mould him and strengthen him, strengthen his faith in God to know that God is always with him at 10 years old. 
it can be used for that. And God can also use the tragedies in your life. He can use that crisis that is taking place in your life right now. He can use that to make you. He can use that to shape you. He can use that to strengthen you right now. The stuff that you are going through. And some of you might be sitting here and thinking there's no way he could ever use that. You're just disqualifying yourself right now as I'm speaking. And I'm here to tell you, yes, he can. Yes, he can. He can. I don't care what it is, but God can use it. When I was in the midst of my drug addiction, when I was completely hopeless and all I saw was darkness and despair, I thought there was no way ever I would ever be of any benefit to anyone, anytime, ever. That's what I thought. But God used that very thing that held me in bondage, that very thing that held me in bondage and in despair and in hopelessness and in darkness. He used that to help set other people free. He used that to help set other people free. God can use what is happening in your life right now. I don't care what it is, mental health, divorce, grief, relationship breakdown, you're about to lose your job, whatever it is, God can use and he can turn it around for his glory and his good. Amen? Amen. He wants to bring you victoriously out of your circumstance. And when he brings you out victoriously, he's going to want you to reach back or reach aside or reach forward and help the next person that's dealing with the same thing that you just dealt with. He wants you to reach out to them, that same circumstance, mental health, addiction, relationship breakdown, whatever it may be. He wants you to reach out and help them too. That's how God operates. That's how he works. He promises to bring you out of it victoriously. He promises you that. He will bring you out victoriously. And he also promises to use that circumstance to shape you, to strengthen you, to build your faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. You're not a weirdo. It's normal. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. What an awesome piece of scripture. God screens and filters every trial that comes your way. Does he bring it to you? No. But it says he will not give you more than you can handle. What you're going through right now, God is going to be faithful to you. You can handle it. Because he screens and filters every single trial that comes your way. And he will and has provided a way of escape. We just read, he is faithful. He provides a way of escape to bring you out victoriously. But our job is, is that we have to choose that way. We have to choose that way. So we get to choose what we will do in the trial. That is key. That is absolutely key, what we choose to do. There's an escape route there and there is victory there, but we have to choose it. We have to look and find where that way of escape is and then choose that way. 
And what we choose to do in the trial is key and that is what is going to make or break us. Amen? I want to look at David's life this morning and through all the difficulties that he went through, through all the tragedy that he suffered and what occurred in his life and how it made him and how he was able to be victorious. And we've got three points this morning drawn from David's life. The first point is this, remember what God has done. Remember what God has done. If you know the story of David and Goliath, David wanted to be the one to kill the giant, right? And he said, I can surely do it. This guy, this giant, this guy, Goliath is wreaking fear and havoc and I want to go. I want to go him. I want to get him. I want to fight him. But David was ridiculed by his brothers. He was told by King Saul, there's no way you can face Goliath. He was rejected and looked down upon. They said, no way you can do that. There's no way. You're not good enough. You, you, you'll never make it. You're too young. You're too old. You're too fat. You're too skinny. Have you ever had any labels put on you? Have you? Any labels put on you? This is what was happening to David. He was told he couldn't do it. He couldn't fight the Goliath. But this is how he responded. He said this. But David said to Saul, 1 Samuel 17, 34, your servant has been keeping his sheep, his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David remembered what God had done previously in his life. He remembered when God had rescued him from the lion and he remembered when God had rescued him from the bear. And he gave victory to God back then. When he did that, when he fought the lion and the bear, he didn't take the glory. He gave that glory to God. So he understands that right now, the giant that he's facing, it's not going to be in his own strength. He gets that. He understands that the battle belongs to the Lord. He gets that. He understands that. It wasn't in his own strength back then and it's not in his own strength now. And you know, David's enemy didn't get any smaller. His enemy only got bigger. But what also happened is his faith got stronger. With every trial and every battle that he faced, his faith was strengthened. His faith got stronger. And because of that, he could trust the Lord. He could trust the Lord. His faith was built up. You know, when we're in the thick of our circumstance, when we're in the thick of, of just having been surrounded by darkness and we're only tempted to see that darkness, we need to remember what God has done. Remember what God's done in your life. Remember how he was faithful to you in the past. Remember how he brought you through. Remember the healings that you've seen. Remember the miracles that you've witnessed. Remember the breakthroughs that you've had and know that he will do it again. We just sung that this morning. He will do it again. But remember what God has done. You know, you may be facing the biggest enemy you've ever faced right now. You could right now be facing a big enemy. 
but it's not a time to buckle. It's not a time to buckle. It's a time to remember what God has done. You are prepared for this. You're prepared for it. You know what God's word says for your situation. If you don't, go find out. Where do you find out? From the Bible. You know what his word says. You know what your God is capable of. You know what he's done in the past. You know how he's brought you through. Romans 8.28 says this, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a long history with God, if you don't have those, those victories in God, then attach your faith to somebody else's. That's why we have testimonies and stories. So we just heard Greg's testimony this morning. You can attach your faith to what God's done in his life and expect the same in your life. If you don't have a long history with God, that's so important that you connect your faith with someone else's faith and remember what God has done. Can you do that? Who can remember what God has done? I'm sure we've all got testimonies. We've had Di and Greg get up this morning, but I bet that each of you could get up and testify what God has done in your life. Amen. Number two, let God vindicate you. Let God vindicate you. You know, uh, Saul was relentless in chasing down David in order to kill him. He was relentless. David experienced the deepest betrayal, the deepest betrayal. He was close to Saul. He was his mentor. In fact, he married not one but two of his daughters. He's a bit greedy. Two of his daughters. Uh, and, and so they were like father and son, really. Yet Saul was jealous of David. He, he, he couldn't handle the accolades that David was getting. He couldn't handle how good God was being to David. I mean, I don't know what he thought, that there wasn't enough of God's goodness to go around for everyone. I mean, it's silly, really, if you think about it. Just because someone is getting blessed doesn't mean you're going to miss out. It's just it's their turn to get the blessed. Your turn's coming around. You just probably had your turn. We don't need to worry about or get insecure about when God's blessing other people because you're next if you keep the right heart. You know, insecurity, Saul had a big ego. He did, and he was insecure. And, and, and insecurity doesn't get you anywhere. I want to say to you this morning, if you deal with insecurity, if you struggle with it, then deal with it because it will affect your life. I have insecurities come up all the time. But if I don't deal with it before God, I'll turn into a horrible person and not a very good leader. And this is what happened to Saul. If you don't deal with the insecurity, you do horrible, hurtful things to people and it's not nice. And Saul wanted to kill David because he couldn't handle, they were saying and singing, oh, oh David's killed his tens of thousands and Saul's killed his thousands. And, and because of that, Saul wanted to see David dead. Let's deal with our insecurities. And so he made it his mission to chase down David, poor David. Yet due to God's complete grace and God's goodness, twice David had the opportunity to kill Saul. Twice he had that opportunity to get back at him. Twice he, he could have killed him. Yet twice David chose to spare Saul's life. Twice he chose to spare it. 
And this is what he said in 1 Samuel chapter 24. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. May the Lord, verse 15, may the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it and may he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. You know, David had every reason to repay evil for evil, every reason he had, but he would not touch God's anointed. He wouldn't do it. He would not touch God's anointed. And you know that we're all God's anointed? Every single one of us, we are God's anointed. If you're a believer, if you're in God's kingdom, you're anointed. It's not just for the pastors and preachers and special people. We're all anointed. And Saul understood that the battle again belonged to the Lord. There was no way revenge was going to come from his hand. He left it for God to vindicate him. He left it to him. And we constantly see that through the Psalms. You know, David wrote uh, a lot of the Psalms, if not all. But he, he constantly cried out to God in the Psalms. If you go through and read the Psalms, he's constantly saying, uh, God, vindicate me. God, vindicate me. God, vindicate me. He lived by this. He didn't take matters into his own hands. He could have, but he chose not to. He did not take matters into his own hands. And you know, we've all experienced betrayal at some level. Again, if you're living and breathing, who's been hurt? Sometimes by very close people, people that are meant to be your friends, and it hurts, and you feel betrayed, and you feel hurt, deep pain within, and you want to give them a piece of your mind. You want to tell them what you really think. You want to bail them up in the corner and maybe behave a little bit how you behaved before you came to know Jesus Christ. Am I preaching just about myself here? Is anyone with me? Do you ever feel like this? Disappointment, hurt, betrayal. And it feels as if you have every right in the flesh to do what you want to do. You have every right to do it. They've hurt you. They've wronged you. They've cheated you. They've said bad stuff about you. And you want to hold on to the bitterness as well because it kind of feels good for a while because you're right in feeling bitter. I deserve to hold on to this even if it's for a short time. I know what God says, but just a little bit, please God, because I'm right. And I want to hold on to the unforgiveness because they need to know what they've done. They've hurt me and I'm upset. And I want to take matters into my own hands. But God says, don't do that. He says, don't do that. Don't do that. Bad idea, do not do that. You know, even Jesus didn't cling to his rights. He laid down his rights for us. He laid down his rights for God. And he was perfect. We're not perfect, but we still have rights. That banner didn't want to be up this morning. He was sinless. He was spotless. And yet he still laid down his rights. Jesus Christ, our Saviour, laid down his rights. He did not retaliate. He did not cling to his rights. 
1 Peter 2.23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. We'll never get it right. We'll only make matters worse. Trust me. You got one issue, you let it rip. You got another issue, you're in trouble. Let God deal with it. Let God vindicate you because he will. He's for you. He's got your back. He's working behind the scenes. Know that He is. You think He's doing nothing? He's doing something. Trust me, He is doing something. And at the right time, He'll show you what He's doing. Or maybe one day you'll never know, or maybe you'll never know. But you'll find out when you get to heaven. He's the one who judges justly. Romans 12, 19, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I'll repay, says the Lord. God will take what is wrong and He will make it right, but you have to let it go. And so I'm telling you this morning, let it go. Let it go. Forgive and let it go. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. I know it doesn't match up with what your flesh wants to do. Lay it down. Lay it down. Give it to God. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. He's working behind the scenes. Let God vindicate you. Number three, time went quick. Keep a soft heart. Keep a soft heart. David fell pretty heavy into sin. I don't know if you know, but he did. It was pretty shocking what he got up to. He was meant to be out uh, at battle with all the other kings. So already he was doing what he shouldn't have been doing because he should have been in battle with the other kings. But anyway, separate sermon. But he saw someone, a beautiful woman, and he decided he wanted to be with her. So he slept with her. And um, she fell pregnant. So once she fell pregnant, he decided to go and murder her husband. So you've got adultery and you've got murder. Some pretty heavy sin right there. Heavy sin right there. From that, his first child with Bathsheba dies though he begged God he begged for his child to live but the child dies and David basically he brought tragedy and crisis into his own life through his own sin is what happened and uh, Nathan the prophet came and visited him and he said and he came and he corrected him basically and and he and he told him what he had done even though he was king Nathan came Nathan the prophet came and corrected him But how David responded was key. David's response was key because there is grace for everybody. You know, I'm not, you know, like where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. You know, and I'm talking about adultery and murder. You may have experienced it in your own life. But David, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet, had an opportunity to either harden his heart and defend himself and, and, and be prideful and arrogant, cling to his rights, blame shift, or he could repent. And he repented. He cried out to God. His heart was soft towards God. You know, sometimes our own sin, and we all sin. There's no, only unless you're Jesus Christ <laughs> sitting in the house this morning, we all sin. None of us are perfect. But that sin can bring pain and suffering into our lives. We bring it into our lives. But it's what we do with that sin that counts. When God corrects you, how will you respond? 
Will it be with a repentant heart? Or will you put those walls up and continue on in your sin? You get a choice. You get to choose. Same as when someone does something against you, you get to act like they do or you get to act like God says to act. It's so important. And so how you respond to the correction in your life when there's sin is whether you'll come out victorious or not. Though David made his mistakes, he had a heart after God, right? That's what the Bible says. David wrote Psalm 51 in response to his royal stuff up with Bathsheba and it says this create in me a pure heart O God and renew a steadfast spirit within me do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me if you're going through a crisis or a tragedy or a difficult circumstances right now based on your own choices your own sin through through your own doing Keep a soft heart towards God. Go to him, repent, say I'm sorry. Say, Lord, help me, change me, do what you have to do in me, take this from me, whatever it may be. But own it. You can't start to find healing and freedom if you don't own it. You have to own it. You have to own it. And then journey through the pain and journey through the suffering. There's no way around. You know, I went to rehab and I just wanted to get from here to there and forget about everything in between. I just wanted to be better and that was all. But it doesn't work like that. I had to go every step of the way and I had to journey through all my sin and all my bad choices and all everything that, just all of it, I had to go through it. And it was painful and it hurt, but there was no other way but through. And sometimes we want to go around So I want to be like that person over there, but you don't know what they did to get there. We have to journey through each and every one of us. Make or break. Sometimes it's both. What do you mean? Sometimes we need to be broken and a breaking needs to take place. And when it's of God, it's a good thing. He breaks us gently sometimes not so gently. I read out a piece of scripture. I said, I think Jacob, God's just spoke to me. And it was pretty like, mm, it was like, wow. <laughs> Very direct there. Sometimes he needs to be like that with the hard-headed ones. I know Jacob always talks about being hard-headed, but it takes one to marry one, I think, sometimes. You should come to our house and <laughs> see what we get up to. But anyway, David says in verse 17, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Make or break. Sometimes it's both. And it's not either or, it's both. If you're in a breaking season, that's okay. But do it with a soft heart towards God. Because He's the only one that can build you up again. He's the only one that can restore you again. He's not going to leave you in your sin. Jesus was our guilt offering. Jesus came to take our guilt and he came to take our shame. And so if there's guilt and shame, that comes off you as you keep a soft heart towards God. But go to him. Don't run away from him. Just as David did, he ran to him. All the Psalms, you go read them. That's David pouring out his heart to God. 
And you know, David had over, and I'm finishing now, sorry, Ben. David had over 10 sons. He had over 10 sons. And any one of them sons, God could have picked to have been king. Do you know who he picked? He picked the second son to Bathsheba, Solomon. He chose Solomon. That's grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. Keep your heart soft. Remember what God has done and let God vindicate you. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for your word this morning, Father God. We thank you that you work in and through us, Lord. We just pray, Father, that we are able to have a heart like David had, Father God that we're able to keep our hearts soft towards you, Lord God. Those that have been wrong, that have been cheated upon, that have got deep hurt, betrayal, resentment, Lord God, that they're able to release that to you, that they're able to let it go and let you vindicate them, Lord God. We pray for those that are struggling, they're facing a challenging circumstance right now, Lord God. They're right in the middle of it, Father God. And I pray that they would remember what you have done in the past, that that would build their faith and their faith is built so much more that they know there's going to be a victory in you, Lord God, that they begin to praise you, Father God, that they begin to worship you, Father God, that they would break through in praise and worship, Lord God. And I pray for anyone that's deep in sin right now or maybe uh, in bondage to past sin where they just can't forgive themselves for what they've done in the past, that you'd set them free, Father. Jesus came to be our guilt offering. That guilt and shame is no more. We are righteous, we are perfect, we are worthy because of you. And I pray for that revelation for every single person that's struggling with an ongoing sin in Jesus' name. And just while we're in this uh, uh, act of, um, just while we're in prayer right now, I just want to pray for anyone uh, that's in the building or listening online. If you've never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or if you want to make a recommitment, we want to pray. Today is your day. It's the best decision I ever made. That was the turning point. There was no way I could come out of drug addiction or alcoholism and all my other issues that I have. If you have time, I'll sit down and tell you all about them. There was no way the first step was to meet Jesus Christ. And so if you're listening online, if you're in the building, if you follow after me, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. I ask that you forgive my sins, wash me clean, and today I choose to live for you and the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. We're going to sing the perfect song for today. It's called Do It Again. Uh, Ben's going to take us away. Thank you so much. Come on, church. If you want prayer for anything, please come forward and we'll pray for you.